Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. My name is Greg Clark. I'm the lead pastor here, and it's lovely to see the faces of those that are able to be here this morning. And those of you that are joining us from home, welcome. I wish I could see your faces, but uh, I'm so excited that you're joining us from home. So great. You know, sometimes after the service, I'll go back and I'll look on the, uh, the, the comment section of our Facebook page, our Facebook Live or our YouTube page and just see what people have written. And it's encouraging. It's encouraging to see you guys checking in. I looked this morning. Um, I put a little thing on there this morning. I looked on there. I saw my mom was saying hello from Rockledge, Florida. So hi, mom. It's exciting to have you here with us today. Well, <clears throat> is today a good day? Oh, it's good. I'm glad it's got some good responses there. Of course, it's a good day because we have a good God who is on the throne. But it's also, it's also a very difficult day for many. And maybe you're doing really well right now, and that's awesome. But maybe you're also struggling right now, struggling with a whole list of possible things. It's almost been a year that we've been walking through this COVID lockdown. Some are suffering job loss, or at least the stretching of their budgets and their, their finances. Some, ex- some have experienced the loss of loved ones this year, and in a COVID year, it's been so difficult to walk through those losses together. We, of course, all are experiencing some level of isolation and distance from our normal circles. And everyone is experiencing, if you, don't, if you haven't recognize it or not, we're all experiencing this extra mental stress that's coming out one form or another. Oftentimes, it's just the lack of margin in our lives. When things go wrong, we seem to over-respond or overreact, and it's because we're experiencing the stress that's just kind of underlying and just always there. And so listen, you guys, it's, it's really okay to not be okay. It really is. And I know we live in the rural north, but we don't always have to face everything with fierce determination and a stiff upper lip. It's okay to admit that not everything is okay. In fact, sometimes the best thing that you can do is face reality for reality and just call it like it is. You can always find the blessings in the middle. Of course you can find the blessings in the middle. and You can see God's presence through it all. Of course you can. We're going to talk about that today. But it's also okay to say it's just not ideal right now. And a lot of stuff downright stinks. And sometimes it feels like we are hard-pressed on every side. It feels like we're perplexed and we're confused. It feels like we're persecuted. It feels like we're struck down. And sometimes it feels like things are way beyond our ability to endure. And sometimes we even despair of life. And sometimes we can feel like we've received a death sentence. And if any of this has ever been something you've experienced before, then you are in the same boat as the Apostle Paul. And Paul has something very important to teach us about how we can overcome in the middle of this difficult season. 
We're going through a series called Faith with Feet, and this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we get down to brass tacks. This is the real stuff of our faith. And today we're in 2 Corinthians, where Paul puts some really good feet to our faith. In a season where, where we find ourselves in difficult spaces and trying times. If you remember from last week, Paul, uh, Paul who wrote the, the book of 1 Corinthians, wrote that letter because the church in Corinth was in a hot mess. They were really messed up, and Paul wrote a pretty serious letter to them to get all this stuff straightened out. Now, scholars believe that 1 Corinthians was actually Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. Paul wrote a first letter, which we no longer have. It kind of got lost to, to history, so we don't have that letter. And Paul wrote a second letter, and that's what we call 1 Corinthians. And it also looks like Paul wrote a third letter to the church in Corinth, which we also do not have. But Paul talks about it. He talks about it in 2 Corinthians. Paul calls that third letter a difficult letter that may have caused the Corinthians great sorrow, is what he says. It may have caused you great sorrow. And 2 Corinthians is actually Paul's, likely Paul's, fourth letter to this church. And Paul's tone changes quite a bit in this letter from, the, from what we have as 1 Corinthians, but from any of the other letters that we think he wrote. Paul commends the Corinthians again and again for how they've changed their ways, how they've grown, how they've been generous, generous, like way generous in these difficult times, and how God has redeemed their struggles. Now, 2 Corinthians is a huge gift to us today. As we read through it, lots of really good stuff in it. Not just do we see a, a church that has turned around and kind of made good on some of the things that Paul asked them to make good on, but we also see a, a Paul who is so encouraged and so freed up because of what the Corinthians have done that he is now able in this letter to be brutally honest with the church about his own struggles. Anything that we, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we've learned about Paul comes from the book of 2 Corinthians. And that is where we're going to spend the majority of our time today. Paul is brutally honest with the church in Corinth as he begins this letter. Here's what he says. Paul says this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Have you ever felt like that before? Like the pressure was far beyond your, abil- your ability to endure, and possibly like you'd received the sentence of death? I just want you to stop for a moment with me. Paul does go on to give us a deeper look at what's going on here. He gives us a a deeper understanding of what God was doing in the background and, and that type of stuff. But what Paul doesn't do here is he doesn't try to numb away the fact that the troubles they faced were far beyond their ability to endure. Paul faces these struggles and says, yes, we struggled way more than we thought we were capable of. 
And if you're going through something difficult today, you don't need to put a, a happy face on and try to sweep it under the rug. It's not the Christian thing to just pretend like nothing's wrong. It's okay to be brutally honest if you're going through something that is far beyond your ability to endure. And you know, sometimes in, in Christian circles, we like to quote Scripture out of context. And oftentimes we use Scripture passages not to encourage one another, but to shut each other up. We're usually saying true things, but we're not understanding the depth of what we're speaking to one another. For instance, have you heard this passage, Jeremiah 29, 11? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Sometimes people say this to other people kind of dismissively. When we try to share that we're going through a difficult time, we might say something like, it's been a rough day. And our friend, out of the kindness of their heart, might look at us and say, well, God has a great plan for you. And then they want to move on and go to the movies or do something different. It's true. God does have a good plan for you. But sometimes it comes off as awfully dismissive. What we fail to realize is just how powerful this verse is. Did you know that this verse was God speaking to the Israelites at the beginning of 70 years of captivity in a foreign land? Their troubles were far beyond their capacity to endure. They felt like they were getting a death sentence. Their trouble wasn't something that could just be swept under the rug. And it was no little thing. This promise of God comes in the midst of disastrous troubles for these Israelites. And God still says, I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. And what he's saying is, I have a plan for you even in the middle of all the horrible stuff. You're about to go through 70 years of rough stuff. Hold on to the hope that I have a plan for you. Because God doesn't always take us away from our trouble. But he does promise to meet us in the middle of it. This verse is good, not as a, not as a, a way to sweep away our difficulty or to kind of ignore it, but as a reminder that even in the middle of the tough stuff, God does have a plan for you. And his plan includes meeting you in the middle of your difficulty. Here's another verse that we sometimes take out of context. Have you heard this one? Deuteronomy 31.6. It's actually repeated in a lot of different places in the beginning of Joshua and lots of different spaces. But it's this passage. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. We've probably heard that lots. God will never leave you nor forsake you. And again, sometimes we say this when someone feels alone or isolated in their struggles. It's a, it's a good verse, but there's more to it. If someone says, I'm feeling awfully lonely, sometimes Christians will pop up and say, well, God will never leave you or forsake you. He's right there with you. And it's a super encouraging verse, except sometimes it's done to kind of stop people from complaining. Did you know that this verse was God speaking to the Israelites and to Joshua as Moses was about to leave them? Moses had led this group of people for many years, taking them through, taking them out of Egypt, 
God used Moses to rescue the Israelites out of, out of Egypt before they were even called Israelites. For 40 years, they wandered through the desert following Moses and following God. There were likely up to 2 million Israelites there standing on the border of the promised land, ready to go into the promised land and take this land that God had promised to them. Ready to follow Moses. And Moses was not going to go with them. Moses was putting Joshua in command. In command of a giant group of people who have proven themselves to be grumblers and complainers. Can you imagine the feeling for the Israelites, the feeling of possible abandonment and stress as their beloved leader was saying, I'm not going with you? Can you imagine what Joshua felt? I mean, it's fun to be second in command. It is hard to be the man. And here Joshua is being thrust into leading this giant group Moses was saying to Joshua, The Lord never leaves you nor forsakes you, but I am out of here, Joshua. See, this verse was spoken at a very difficult time for Joshua, a very difficult time for the Israelites. They would have felt isolated. They would have felt abandoned. Have you ever felt that way? Ever felt isolated or abandoned? Maybe your leader left. Maybe the people around you left, your small group dissolved, or your friends moved away. Maybe it was worse. Maybe a loved one passed away who you depended on for such a long time. This this verse was spoken to people like you. It's not a cliche verse, though some people use it that way. The truth is God will never leave you nor forsake you. And in context, in the middle of Joshua's overwhelming task, in the middle of the Israelites walking into the promised land, God was with them, and God is with you. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. Another verse that has been taken out of context is this one that I I love to say it lots myself. All these verses, I went back, and these are the verses I love to speak, these three verses, but this one I speak quite a, a bit. John 16, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. This is Jesus speaking. I have overcome the world. We can hear this verse and maybe just breeze on by it. Sometimes the way that people say it, it sounds like, just suck it up, you guys. Life is hard. Just suck it up. But no, Jesus speaks these words in no trite way. Jesus spoke these words to his disciples right before he went to give his life. On the cross. Jesus knew what he was about to go through, and he knows that you will experience some big, hairy troubles in your life. But even on the eve of facing the cross, Jesus can look at you and say, Hey, hey, look at me. Look at me for a moment. You are going to have difficulties. You are going to have difficulties. In fact, I am facing a huge difficulty right now. I'm about to go to the cross. But take heart. I have already overcome. And I'm going to overcome. And you and me, we can overcome anything. Jesus would look at you right now and he'd say, we can do this together. We can do this together. 
And just in case we think that Paul doesn't know what he's talking about when he says that, that his life had gotten so bad that he despaired of life itself, Later in 2 Corinthians, Paul lays out some of his struggles, some of the things he's gone through. This is, this is why the book of 2 Corinthians is so valuable to us. We get this, this peek into the life of Paul. And it's not going to be up behind me, but it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I just want you to listen to this verse as I read this to you. It's several verses. It's quite long, so I don't have it on the screen. But listen to what Paul has seen in his life. He says, I have worked much harder been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Do you know what that is? Those 40 lashes of the cat of nine tails that they would, they would whip people with, like, like they whipped Jesus before he went to the cross. They would whip you 39 times, 40 minus one, because they believed if they whipped you 40 times, you would die. So they wanted to get you right close to death. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the mental pressure, the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Oh my goodness. Paul has been through the ringer. Paul understands suffering. He knows what it's like to go through experiences that felt like a sentence of death. Now, your troubles don't have to match up to Paul's to be significant. You don't have to say, well, I've never been lost at sea, so obviously I have nothing to complain about. I've never been pelted with stones, so obviously I shouldn't complain. No, you don't have to match up to what's happened with Paul. The message from Paul to you would be the same whether, whether the difficulties you've experienced have been great or just great to you. And here's the message that Paul would have you to pick up. It's what Paul actually opens up the book of 2 Corinthians with. He, as he goes through the book of 2 Corinthians and he explains the difficulties and the trials and the tribulations, he starts the whole book by giving us a compass to lead us. He says this in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Listen, right in the middle of your troubles, right in the middle of my troubles, God shows up. God, our Heavenly Father, comforts us. 
You know, raising four kids has not been easy. It's been wonderful, but not always easy. But I think that the hardest part sometimes is watching my kids go through difficult things, watching them struggle, watching them cry, watching them be hurt. Now, most of the time, I didn't cause the difficulty. To be honest, sometimes I have, okay? But most of the time, it wasn't me that caused the difficulty for my kids. Sometimes those difficulties were self-imposed. Sometimes they did something that hurt themselves. A lot of times, life is just hard, and things happen. But the hard part of watching my children go through the tough stuff is not just watching, but knowing that I could run into the situation and likely fix it all by myself quite easily, especially as they were younger. When they got older, it became a little bit more difficult, but especially when they were little. I could fix a broken toy. I could buy a new hamster. I I could beat up the bully. I could just whisk them away to a land where they never, ever experienced any kind of grief. But I think that would hurt them in in the long run. And even though I could easily fix their problems, and sometimes I did, often I just showed up in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the sorrow, in the middle of their grief and sat with them and told them that I loved them and that I too was sad about what they were going through. And it, it often broke my heart to watch them weep, but I hope that my presence strengthened and encouraged them to rise up and to overcome in difficult situations. See, my, my goal is to train my kids to do hard things, to persevere, to overcome no matter the difficulty. And I will be right there with them. But I want them to grow. I want them to grow. And I know I'm not God. I'm not like God very much often. But I can see a bit of that as God relates to us. Because God loves us so much. He does have a plan for our lives. He never leaves us or forsakes us. And though there will will be troubles, Jesus has overcome, lighting the way for us to overcome as well. God meets us right in the middle of the tough stuff, like a really good father. And yes, sometimes he takes the problems away. Sometimes people are healed. Sometimes surprise money shows up in the mail. Sometimes a bigger and better job comes along. Sometimes our, our friend calls us up in the middle of the difficult thing and encourages us and we don't feel so alone. Yes, sometimes God fixes the problem. But at other times and maybe at most of the times, God just shows up in the middle of the mess. We serve the Redeemer God. The one who is able to take all the broken stuff and use that. Not just remove us from the broken stuff, but actually use the broken stuff. God often takes what the enemy meant for evil. He doesn't remove us from it, but he turns it around to use it for his good. So he doesn't always take us out of the problem. But when he doesn't, take us out of the problem, you can be certain that he shows up in the middle of it. Are you in a place where you're finding it beyond your ability to endure? God is there with you, right in the middle of your difficulty. 
One last verse that Paul shares that I'm going to share today. This little picture of the presence of God in the middle of it all. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 to 9, here's what the Holy Spirit speaks through Paul. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. I just, just pause for a moment for that. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Sometimes when we look at the darkness and we say, surely God is not in this. But in fact, God's light shows up sometimes the ever more greater in the middle of the darkness. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Just pause there. How good is that? That God has made his glory to shine in us. That we would know about God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Paul goes on. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And listen to this. He says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. So there you are. You and I are little cracked pots with the light of Christ inside of us. We may be hard-pressed, but we are not crushed. We may be perplexed and confused, but we are not in despair. We may be persecuted, but we are never abandoned. We may be struck down, but we are not destroyed. God is always with us in the middle, shining his light into us. And this is the amazing part that, that maybe you picked up on right away from that, that first verse out of Corinthians. Shining his light into us and through us. Perhaps the light of God as it shines through us, we little cracked pots in the middle of our difficulty, perhaps God's light shines through us as a comfort to others as well. And perhaps God, one of the greatest things that God can do to redeem any and every situation is to use us to encourage other people who are walking through similar things. So just close your eyes for a moment. Father in heaven, thank you for your presence in our lives. Without you, we would be hopeless. But with you, oh, with you we shine the light of your glory and we become overcomers. We recognize your presence here right now, your light in us. We recognize your comfort in us. We recognize that you meet us in the difficult spaces. For everyone who is in a hard place right now, meet them, Heavenly Father. Show up. Help them to experience your goodness and your kindness and your presence. Help them to experience your very near presence. And walk with them. Walk with us through this, this difficult time, every difficult time strengthening and encouraging us all the way that we would grow and mature and lean into you evermore. And use us, God, to comfort others who are going through the similar 
types of circumstances. That it would be you, Jesus, that gets all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen. If you're experiencing difficulty right now, God is with you there in the middle. And we are too. Don't go through this alone. And though we encourage you to wear cloth masks here, we ask that you not put on the happy people, smiley face mask if it's not true. We discourage fake masks here. So be real. Be connected. Lean into what God has for you. You can do this. We can do this. With Jesus, we can overcome, even in the difficult circumstances. So let's join together. We're going to sing this song. Why don't you stand with me? And then we're going to have a, see if there's any questions for this sermon. We'll try to answer those at the end. So why don't you just stand and let's sing the song together. I'm not sure if we had any questions come in. Just one question there. All right, so the question is this. Instead of quoting a trite verse to someone going through difficulties, what's an example of what it looks like to walk with that person? That's a great question. What a good question. Yeah. Well, if we've just got the one question, Amy and I can both give a a brief answer to this then. So do you want to give your answer first? Sure. I mean, I think... What is an example of what it looks like to walk with that person? The biggest thing, I think, is just actually being there. I think a lot of times when people are going through hard things, in our own discomfort, we try and fill the spaces in. We try and say the things to make it better. We try and do the things. When a lot of the time, I know for me personally, a lot of the time is I'm trying to make myself feel less uncomfortable, actually. But to come alongside someone and just actually be with them right? Sometimes that means actually just not saying anything at all. It means sitting beside them, having your arm around them. And then other times it does. It looks like saying something. It looks like praying with them. And I think something for me that's always helpful to remember is when we're walking with someone, we're walking with them. It's not a one-time deal. Okay, I checked in. We're good. Now I'm not there anymore. But it's a we're walking alongside of them. It's a, it's a long haul. When people we care about are going through something, to recognize it's the long haul, and we are committed to the long haul, to walking with them. That sometimes in the end, we will say a Bible verse, not in a trite way, but in a this is true way. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of some of my thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I would de- hopefully um, what you're getting out of the message here is not to stop giving the Bible verses to people, right? Because like I love those, those passages. If you're going through a difficult time, I might show up and give you some of those Bible passages because those are such powerful passages, but not as a way to shut you up, yeah. but as a way to draw you out more. And I think what Amy mentioned about, uh, about coming and just being with people. So for the Jewish people, they have this thing called sitting shiva. And uh, it's when someone passes away, you will show up to your friend's house and you'll just sit with them. Just sit with them for like a week. You just sit with them in silence. 
And you wait until they start to speak before you speak, and you listen first. Mm-hmm. I think one of the greatest things we can do to come into someone's life when they're having a difficult time is to just listen. I'm here. I don't have an answer for you, but I'm willing to listen. And to go through the long haul, I think what Amy said with her is, is just really fantastic. You've you got to recognize when people go through difficult times, it's probably not a one-and-done thing. It probably is ongoing. So check back in. Check back in with people. Connect with them again. Come and sit with them in quiet and solitude again and just be there with them. And yes, bring these passages of Scripture as a way to draw them out and to encourage them and to remind them that God is here. God is here. He's walking with them. He's walking with you through these difficult times. That's awesome. And I'll, I'll just, because we, we have a little bit of time, yeah. right? If we're noticing that walking with people through difficult times, we're, that we're getting increasingly uncomfortable with it ourselves, is then to, at, you know, we leave whatever situation that is, to be curious about this. Why am I so uncomfortable in this? Is it because maybe I have pain that I haven't looked at? or I don't like feeling pain, or I feel helpless in this. To be curious about our own uncomfortableness when we're walking through hard things with someone, again, gives us space for then Jesus to speak into our lives at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've been mentioning over these last few weeks that, uh, that one of the things about these epistles um, is it talks a lot about community. And I think one of the powerful things in 2 Corinthians here is that Paul actually brings out his difficulty to do exactly what he says right at the very beginning. That we actually get to share the comfort that we ourselves have received with others. So maybe you've walked through some difficult times. And what Amy is talking about there is really, really important to recognize. If I've walked through a difficult time, but I've not addressed it in myself... If I've, just allow, if I've just kind of shut up myself and pushed myself aside and gone, you know what, God's always with you, so you just got to stop it, pull up your bootstraps and get moving. If I've done that to myself, then when I come into somebody else's life, I've not received comfort from God. I've not allowed God to work in my life healing and hope. I've just tried to shut myself up, so I'm likely going to try to shut other people up. But if I've stopped for a moment and I've allowed God to speak comfort in my life, I can show up in a way different way and I can carry the comfort of God into other people's lives. So community, right? Being able to do that in community, being together, not hiding, and being around other people is huge. So here's a note. As you, we just bring this oh, all... I think we have one more question. Do we have another question? I think so. Ah, yeah. What are the best ways to fight against the despair and feelings of abandonment that come with hard times. So I think community actually might be a really good answer for that. So we experience God. um, We can experience God by ourselves in solitude and in quiet. But if if you're anything like me, I experience God a lot with the people I walk through the difficulties with. So I've got a couple people that I will call up. I've actually just this last week was a little bit of a tough week, and I've walked with other people through some difficult things this last week, and I've told each of these people, my goodness, I'm not sure what, how I would show up if it wasn't for you being in my life. And it's been powerful. It's been amazing. You're not meant to walk alone. 
You're not meant to walk alone. If you're on a deserted island, you're all by yourself, okay, you can be alone. But otherwise, you're supposed to be with other people. So God has actually created us to be in community and to experience his comfort and his hope through other people. And so I think one of the ways that we can fight against the despair and the feelings of abandonment that come with these hard times or with any hard times is to do it in community. To take off, maybe you'll still wear your cloth mask, but take off your happy, everything's perfect and I'm fine mask and say, I'm actually not fine. Because it's okay not to be okay. You don't need to be that way with everybody. You don't need to be walking around the street bleeding all over the place. But you need to be honest and true with a few people. Honest and true with a few people that can actually look at your life and see what's going on. Yeah. You have anything I to think add? that was a good answer. I mean, we, okay. I could go into a lot of different things, yeah. but we don't have time for that. Yeah. So. so if you're, if you're, so, okay. So for those of you that are watching from home, I hope that you've been experiencing community because these are not easy times and the enemy would love nothing less, nothing more, whichever love nothing way they more, love nothing, Want nothing more. less. I don't know. Yeah than to keep you isolated and to keep you by yourself. So I hope that even though you're watching from home, I mean, it's snowing today and maybe it's hard to get out of your driveway, but if you're watching from home, I hope that you've been involved in community of some sort. If you're here in the room, I hope that you've been involved in community of some sort. Did you know that your small group can actually meet at the church still? So you may not be able to meet in people's homes, but if you've got your small group running, you guys can meet in the church. You've got to schedule it. You've got to book it. Um, but you can meet in the church here. Don't do this alone. Don't do this alone. And stop waiting for things to get better. Because, oh my goodness, have we not learned after a year of doing this that maybe things are not just going to get better tomorrow? So stop waiting. Get involved in community and get connected with other people. Because I think that one of the greatest ways we're going to do that is being connected and to close this service off, if, you're, if you don't know Jesus yet, all this comfort, God wants to reveal his comfort to you. God wants to reveal his hope and his joy and his peace to you. He wants to come show up in the middle of your difficulties, and he wants to save you from all the brokenness. He wants to bring about such a, such a revival in your life. So if you don't know Jesus yet, now is the time to give your life over to Jesus. To just turn to Jesus, say, Jesus, okay, come. Come and show up in the middle of my crap. Come and show up in the middle of my mess. Come and show up in the middle of all of this and show me your comfort. So come to Jesus if you haven't come to him before. And let me just close off with this benediction from 2 Corinthians. These last couple of epistles, Paul hasn't given us much for, uh, for a benediction. Last week was all about love. And he talked about love. This week is about being connected to God. And that's what he call, talks about this week as well. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, here is Paul's simple little benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So Jesus, as you come and you minister to your people, as you comfort and encourage them, strengthen them, and lift them up, as you do that for me as well, I just bless you, body of Christ, to receive from your Heavenly Father the comfort, the joy, the love, the hope that surpasses all other things. 
I bless you to experience the presence of Jesus, the presence of the Father, the presence of the Holy Spirit in ways you've never experienced him before. May you be strengthened and encouraged. And Jesus Christ, may you be honored and glorified. We love you. We thank you. And pray, we pray all these things in your wonderful and amazing name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for joining us. If you have questions or comments or are just wanting to know more about our church, check out our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com as well as you can find us on Facebook or feel free to email us at office at beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray that today you would know the love and manifest presence of Jesus.